Welcome to the Novara Law Podcast, Episode 1, Changes to Michigan Court Rule 2403, 2404, and 2405. My name is Jenna Hilgenbrink. I am an associate attorney here at Novara Law. I handle first and third party no-fault claims on the defense side. And with me today is... Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Ahmed Hasuna, and I'm a partner here at Novara, uh, Tesha, Kedanachi, McDonald, and Boss. And I focus on litigation as well as... Uh, Mediation as a certified mediator, licensed both here in Michigan and also in Ohio. Uh, Novara Law has offices in Detroit, Toledo, and Las Vegas. Uh, we're a full-service law firm, and we specialize in commercial insurance, ERISA law, insurance defense, labor and employment law, as well as state and local tax issues. Oh my goodness, there, we do a lot, don't we? So first comes our disclaimer, of course, which we will say at the beginning of all of our podcasts. No attorney-client relationship is intended or created by listening to this recording of this podcast. The contents of this podcast are intended to convey general information only and not to provide legal advice or opinions. However, you can contact any one of our attorneys directly by logging on to novaralaw.com. So let's begin. We're talking about 2403, 2404, and 2405. It's all about case evaluation mostly. I mean, so what what is case evaluation? Let's start there. That's right, Jenna, with a new year, uh, brings new amendments to some of our uh, court rules, uh, particularly case evaluation, as well as the sanctions provision uh, to the rule. So prior to the amendment uh, on January 1st of 2022, uh, what was case evaluation? So case evaluation is presenting your side, uh, in our case the defense side, to three disinterested attorneys, um, one on the plaintiff side, one on the defense side, and a neutral, um, and you get an award at the end of it. And with that award, uh, what is a party to do, Jenna? Well, you can either accept or reject. Um, if both parties accept, then you are left with a settlement amount and you're done with the case. But I'm going to ask you the uh, harder question. What happens if the defense counsel rejects and plaintiff accepts? So, again, prior to the amendment, Jenna, if there was a case eval- a unanimous case evaluation award rendered uh, by the panel and one party accepted, so in your example, the plaintiff accepted, I'll use a round number, say $100,000, if the plaintiff accepted that award, they have now insulated themselves from potential exposure for wrongful rejection uh, at the time of trial for uh, certain sanctions, which include reasonable costs and attorney fees. Now, take that $100,000 example, as far as the award goes, and say the defense uh, attorney, in conjunction with discussions with their client, elect to reject the award, they now have to beat that award at trial uh, by uh, securing a verdict 10% less than the $100,000 case evaluation award. So for example, uh, in this case, it has to come in less than $90,000 in order to uh, shield the defendant from a potential sanctions for wrongful rejection of that case evaluation award, again, prior to the amendment. Absolutely. So that's prior to the amendment. That's, you know, pre-January 1, 2022, right? Um, There were, of course, other um, minor provisions of 2403, namely 2403-I4, which talks about the timing for filing case evaluation briefs as well as uh, the cost for late briefs. Let's go into that a little bit. 
I think um, before the amendment, you had 14 days, right, before the hearing uh, to submit your brief, and you could expect a case evaluation award within 14 days after the hearing. Uh, but what about costs before the amendment? So prior to the amendment, Jenna, there was a $75 filing fee that was standard for the filing of the case evaluation summary. If you filed uh, less than 14 days prior to the hearing, you were then assessed a $150 uh, late fee. So for a total of $225. Now, uh, post amendment to 2403. Uh, the good news is that pursuant to I-4, case evaluation briefs are now only due seven days before the hearing. So practitioners, you got an extra week to get your case eval summary together. That's great. That's great. But You're there's right. a catch. There's a catch. Always is. <laughs> if you file your case evaluation summary less than seven days prior to the hearing, you're assessed a $150 late fee. And if you file your summary within 24 hours of the hearing, Jenna, you can be assessed another $150 late fee. So I know lawyers doing math is always a, kind of a, a scary <laughs> territory, but $150 plus $150 plus the $75 uh, filing fee you could be assessed up to $375 in uh, fees that doesn't include the uh, convenience fee for filing your summary electronically. And so that's after the amendment? That's correct. So there's uh, some other changes we want to talk about as well after the amendment. Um, I mean, you can stipulate to certain kinds of alternative dispute resolution, right? So if uh, the new 2403A allows for stipulation in an alternative form, um, if you have a discovery plan, which we're going to call a scheduling order, if a scheduling order has been filed with the court, um, let's talk about that a little bit. You must do what? I think there's three things. So if you're going to stipulate to an ADR plan outside of case evaluation, uh, you're going to have to reduce this to a stipulated order. And you're going to have to, one, identify the type of ADR process to be used. Two, you got to describe the timing of the ADR process in relation to other discovery provisions. And three, you have to state that the ADR process is to be completed no later than 60 days after the close of discovery. So what are our options for alternative forms of dispute resolution? So in lieu of case evaluation, parties can uh, elect to utilize a facilitator uh, to participate in facilitative mediation or perhaps a special uh, sole case evaluation, case evaluation with three neutral panelists, or even arbitration. I think what's nice about the amendment, Jenna, is that now uh, there's more... Uh, opportunity for the parties to take control of the case and elect to conduct discovery and then either facilitation or case evaluation in the manner they best see fit. So let's go into the rules right now for if there's no discovery plan or we'll say no scheduling order. I think there's three, three uh, issues we have to address here. The first one being that um, the uh, form of alternative dispute resolution process must be submitted to the court within 120 days of the first responsive pleading. And you can go into the others if you want. 
And you also need to identify the ADR process to be used and its timing in relationship to the deadlines for completion of disclosure and discovery. And then finally, you need to state that the ADR process must be completed no later than 60 days after the close of discovery. Now, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, listen to this. So 24030 is completely eliminated. That's the sanctions provision, right? So what are we to do with that? Well, Jenna, I think uh, for many years, the plaintiff bar has viewed the sanctions provision to the case evaluation rule as being an impediment to getting to a jury. A panel would render an award, and then should the plaintiff not be able to beat uh, that award by more than 10% at trial, it could uh, pose serious sanctions uh, for their client uh, following trial if they don't, going back to my example, say, take a $100,000 case evaluation award and get a verdict at trial in excess of $110,000. So what you're saying is effective January 1st, 2022, we don't have sanctions for cases. Well, if a case went to case evaluation in, in January of 2022 or beyond, obviously the new rule would apply, right, Jenna? Actually, I think that's where the disagreement starts. So we know that the court, the court rule applies um, effective January 1st, 2022, but there does seem to be quite a lot of disagreement as far as does that mean cases filed as of January 1st, 2022, or does that mean uh, case evaluation hearings occurring in January 1st, 2022, meaning does it apply to cases that are filed prior to 2022? So what I hear you saying is we need to keep a close watch on this issue and monitor um, for further guidance from either uh, circuit courts in our area, perhaps even district courts, as well as uh, appellate review from the Court of Appeals or even the Michigan Supreme Court, which promulgated the amendments to the court rules in the first place, right? I think that's exactly it. Um, But, you know, does that mean that we are done with sanctions altogether? I think 2405 has something to say about that. So let's talk about MCR 2405 just for just a minute um, as an alternative for getting sanctions. So what is 2405? How does it work? Tell me about it. So MCR 2.405 governs offers to stipulate to entry of judgment, which we call the offer of judgment rule. An offer of judgment is a written submission, just like a pleading or a motion or another filing with the court to stipulate to a judgment for an amount certain. Now, either party or any party can use it at any time up until 28 days prior to trial. So one party can serve the written offer of judgment uh, on an adverse party. So the defendant can go first. They don't have to wait for an opening offer from the plaintiff before filing their offer of judgment. So you're telling me with my answer, I can file an offer of judgment? Absolutely. Also, plaintiffs with their offensive pleadings can file their offer of judgment with, say, their complaint, their summons, their requests to admit, and their initial interrogatories and requests to produce. Sounds like we should be on the lookout for some of these offers of judgment in the uh, initial pleadings. That's right, Jenna, and I think a practice pointer for our friends who are our colleagues with the defense bar, uh, claims professionals, and risk managers, 
be on the lookout for these offers of judgment because they can be used at almost any time, including with the filing of the uh, offensive pleadings. And it's important that these offers of judgment be assessed with your defense counsel immediately. In my opinion, Jenna, with the uh, changes in the court rules, I think that it is important uh, that the uh, offers of judgment that are uh, submitted uh, from an opposing party should be treated with the same care and caution as requests to admit pursuant to MCR 2.312. As we all know, not answering those requests to admit can lead to a lot of trouble down the road. Good to know. Good to know. Thanks for that. So, Janet, let's do a little role play. Let's pretend that you're the defense attorney and I'm the plaintiff attorney. Uh, Let's say that you elected, after consulting with your client, to file a written offer of judgment in the amount of $50,000. All right, here's your offer of judgment for $50,000. So I take your offer of judgment and I discuss it with my client, the plaintiff, and we can do one of several things. We could simply accept your offer of $50,000, and then the case would be done and over. Or uh, we could do nothing, and within 21 days, uh, that silence would be uh, would constitute a rejection, and then the, quote, average offer, end quote, would be your $50,000 uh, offer of judgment. Why do I feel like a counteroffer is coming? Or... My client could file a counteroffer, that's right, Jenna, and say that we uh, filed a counteroffer of a judgment in the amount of $100,000. So now we need to figure out what the average offer is. So if you take your $50,000 offer and my $100,000 offer, and you add them together and divide by two, the new average offer is $75,000. How's my math? I think you're pretty good. So what do we do with that $75,000? So let's say that we go to trial and that the adjusted verdict is less than $75,000. Now, uh, the plaintiff has to pay the defendant their actual costs. And actual costs are defined in the rule as those taxable costs and fees which include reasonable attorney fees. Interesting. So that's where the sanctions come in? That's right. Now, conversely, if uh, the matter proceeded to trial and the adjusted verdict was more than $75,000, then the defendant, in my example, would have to pay the plaintiff their actual costs, which again include not only taxable costs and fees, but a reasonable attorney fee as well. It does sound a whole lot like case evaluation, doesn't it? Absolutely. So I think one of the takeaways, Jenna, is that uh, by utilizing MCR 2.405, in the event that one party is attempting to um, create a scenario in which there may be potential sanctions for a wrongful rejection of an award, be it either, say, uh, in lieu of a case evaluation award, an average offer created by an offer of judgment, I think it can be an effective substitute uh, to utilize during the period uh, of time prior to trial uh, up until 28 days before trials to occur. 
That sounds great for 2405, but let's go back to 2403 for just a minute. I just want to wrap that up with a nice a nice bow and say, I think we really just need more direction from, from the courts as far as, you know, what, what we do with sanctions as far as case evaluation. Um, but I don't think it's settled whether 2403 can impose case evaluation sanctions on cases filed in 2021 um, and heard at case evaluation in 2022. I agree, Jenna, that we're going to need further input from uh, either the Supreme Court or uh, the Court of Appeals uh, through their uh, rulings and opinions on the matter. One of my questions is, let's say sanctions don't apply. What is the purpose of case evaluation in calendar year 2022 and beyond? What a great question that is. And I think uh, if, it, if nothing else, it's an opportunity for the parties to get together and to try to come to a resolution, a settlement on the cases. Um, and try to promote judicial economy and, you know, try to get some some cases off the court's docket, if nothing else. I think when I close my eyes and I think about what a case evaluation award looks like uh, without the potential leverage of sanctions, I think perhaps an acceptance may signal to the court, uh, either in a settlement conference, which these days may be done, um, you know, very informally, either on the phone or via Zoom, uh, if not done in person, it says to the judge, say, hey, judge, look, you know, these three attorneys who are disinterested in the case, they put a number on the case and we're willing to uh, live with the case. We're, living, we're willing to live with that award and accept it for resolution. I think that uh, may have some utility uh, moving forward and may show the judge that one side uh, may appear anyway uh, to be more reasonable than the other. I think that's a great place to end it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I oh, think we learned a lot today. It was great. Thank you, Jenna. I really appreciate uh, all of your help. And if someone has questions about uh, the amendments to the court rules that we talked about today, as well as uh, potentially utilizing the offer of judgment uh, contained in 2405, where can they reach you? Well, they can email me at gkh at novaralaw.com. And how about you? Uh, you can find me at amh at novaralaw.com. Well, thank you so much. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Uh, and additionally, if you have any other questions or uh, information you want to hear on our next podcast, let us know. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for listening. Catch you next time.